No one has ever said raising kids is easy. With an overwhelming amount of information about healthy diets, discipline strategies, and the need for more tummy time, it can be really hard to make sense of it all. Welcome to Tot Talk. I'm Mary, a pediatric occupational therapist. And I'm Allison, a pediatric physical therapist. Together, we created Tots on Target to join parents, teachers, and pediatric professionals into one community with the mission to empower each other with a greater understanding of how our children's brains and bodies develop, join us as we discuss the most relevant topics to help keep all our tots on target. Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining our podcast again today. Mary and I are actually going to be having our own conversation, and this time we are talking all about crawling. It is such an important milestone, and especially in the therapeutic, pediatric, OT, PT world, we are such strong advocates of crawling, and because we get a lot of questions about it, and we certainly have a lot to say on the topic, Mary and I are tackling this one together and just want to bring you a lot of information on especially the why and the how. Why is it so important? Why do we talk about this so much as being such an important milestone? And how do you help your child get going with crawling or crawl the correct way that he's supposed to get all the right benefits, the important benefits that crawling provides? So we're going to start off. I am going to defer to Mary to start off talking about that why question of why we therapists talk about crawling so much and why it is such a big deal to us. Hey, Mayor. Hey. So, yes, if we're going to talk about the why of crawling, we definitely have to unpack the neurology a little bit um, because that's really why it's so important. So, speaking about neurology and how the brain develops, we are going to start by discussing the two sides of the brain, which are called the two hemispheres of the brain. We have the left hemisphere and the right hemisphere. And crawling is really unique um, because it works on this reciprocal motion. So if you think of a baby crawling, you would think about how the left hand moves forward and the right leg moves in sync with the left hand and then vice versa. So then the right hand would move forward and the left leg would move in sync with the right hand. So this cross crawl motor pattern is really helping to sort of sync up and wire the left and the right side of the brain. And the left and right side of the brain, they're connected through these fibers called the corpus callosum, which is sort of like in the midline of the brain This that helps to, and there's these there are these neurological fibers that connect the left and the right side. So when a baby is crawling with this reciprocal motor pattern that I just described, he's really strengthening the connections between both sides of the brain and it's helping the brain to wire. I know it's sometimes a little bit overwhelming and certainly as as much science as I took in college, I swore I was not going to take one science class going into it because I don't <laughs> enjoy science as much as Mary does. Um, <laughs> but I do think that this is an important thing to think about, especially because we talk about brain development happening so much in that first year of life and a tremendous amount in the zero to three-year-old range. So brain development is so such an important part of these early months and years that this cross-lateral motion is so important for that communication buildup in the brain. 
Yeah, the, definitely the first, you know, f- the first few years and certainly the first year is a really important part as far as, you know, development of the brain. When we think of newborns, you know, their movement is more reflexive, um, you know, they're governed more by their primitive reflexes. But once they start to get really conscious you know, motor movement. Um, and then, you know, the brain starts to wire. And then certainly, again, with this cross crawl motor pattern, the brain is really starting to make connections and wire itself. So it's a really, it's a big part of brain development and crawling is really helping, like I said, to connect both sides. So to, you know, to improve the overall connectivity and efficiency of how the brain is wired. Yeah, it, it really is fascinating stuff that the milestones are set in place to help us build brain development. It's, it's yeah. really an incredible process. Yeah. Um, that's Especially when you watch it unfold, like just even natural, de- like you just watch it unfold and it's like, it's almost like the brain is doing what it needs to do to survive. <laughs> Correct. And, and really, we also talk about this bilateral coordination as really preparing the brain and body for more fine skills later on. So when we throw a baseball, like you think of your little league kid, and if you throw with your right arm, your left leg steps forward. There's all that reciprocal motion that happens, cross-lateral motion that's happening reciprocally as we get older. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And certainly in fine motor as well, you know, um, one hand using a pencil and the other hand is stabilizing the paper or one hand is manipulating the button and the other side, the other hand is manipulating, you know, the other side of the shirt or, and so like you said, Allison, all of that bilateral coordination is super important and crawling really helps to set that stage for that, that efficiency when you're using two hands together. Yeah. Okay. So we have some of that brain development down. We want to understand also now the other elements of it, right? There's the brain development side. And then Mary, what would you say about crawling targeting the sensory systems? Because I know that that's such a big component of crawling. Right. So there's so much sensory development. And obviously the sensory development is working as the brain is developing it, you know, all this all happens in the brain. So it's all one and the same. But if we're going to talk specifically about different sensory systems, for sure, crawling is helping to refine those systems as well. So Taking the system like the vestibular system, which is our um, our system that's housed in our inner ear, and it sends projections to our auditory system, um, which is you know our ability to listen and our visual system, and it really gives us a sense of balance. It allow- allows us to understand if we're right side up, upside down, spinning. Um, it get, you know um, helps with body awareness and posture. And really, when you're crawling, when a baby is crawling, you know, he is, he's moving through space. So anytime baby is moving, he is activating his vestibular system. Also, as he's looking down, maybe at his hands and looking up, you know, into his environment to see where he's going to go next, that change in head position is also helping to activate that vestibular system. So, and and just to also make it clear for you guys looking at home and you're noticing this in your babies, every time a baby changes, reaches the next milestone, we talk about changes in center of gravity or how the body is relating to gravity in those different positions. So when you think a bit at a baby, you know, in tummy time or starting to roll or sitting up, now when a baby is crawling, that head position is against gravity in a different way and is 
as Mary, you're saying, advancing that vestibular system of how the brain and certainly the inner ear is reacting with that motion. Yes, definitely. That's, yeah, how it's reacting to the change in, in gravity, the change of the pull of gravity. Yep, absolutely. So that's the vestibular system. Um, but on top of that, if we talk about the tactile system too, having open hands, you know, palms down on different surfaces. So, you know, crawling on grass or crawling on cold tile or, um, you know, on a driveway, obviously there's all these different textures that the hand is picking up. And, you know, the hand has the most tactile receptors of anywhere on the body. They're just so closely they're really compact in the hand. So really that open palm crawling is also really helping to refine that tactile system as well. Yeah. Funny story about that. My oldest daughter, when she was crawling, firstly, my mom used to joke because she would see like every little dot of a speck of dirt or a speck of, I don't know, anything that was on the floor. I guess she would feel it. And she was very sensitive, or I should say, now I realize that she was sensitive because she also would crawl at, like in a fisted position. Yeah. And she would crawl. I think it was only one hand, and I'm not even sure if I remember. I want to say it was a right hand, but I can't remember. Um, I should look at old pictures. But she used to crawl occasionally with her palm fisted. And today, I would look back and say she was definitely my most sensory sensitive kid. She's my most sensitive child with like socks in her, the seams of her socks, how tight her shoes are tied, um, where the seam on her dress fits on her waistline. She's definitely more sensitive in those in those areas. So thinking back to how she would crawl around in that fisted position, it kind of clicked for me later on. Even as somebody in the profession, when looking at my own child, I kind of didn't see it. And I also didn't have as much experience as I do now, you know, nine years ago. But but looking back, I think that it definitely had something to do with her sensitivity to the textures that she was experiencing as she was crawling around. So I think if, you know, you have a little one that is is crawling in that fisted position, it would be definitely something you'd want to explore just because, you know, even from a motor development standpoint, there are so many small muscles in the hand that really start to develop as your baby's weight shifting back and forth on open palms. So if you notice your baby is fisting, you may want to, um, you know, just explore that a little bit more just because, you know, aside from the tactile development, which is so important. And like you said, Allison, you definitely saw that in your daughter, who's a little bit sensory sensitive. There's also Um, the palm or arches that are trying to develop when a baby weight shifts on an open palm. So you really want open palms when crawling, but it is something to keep in mind for sure. Is there anything that somebody, a parent could do at home, like have your baby touch different textures, like opening their hands or putting different textures on their hands? Is that something they could try out to see if that helps? Um, I mean, yeah, for sure. I mean, you can just, you could, first of all, you can see if it's you know, consistent. So is it all the time? Is it fisting one hand? Um, you know, how is the child with bare feet, you know, and just see if you're start noticing some tactile, you know, sensitivities throughout just to see if there's any pattern to it, you know, and then I would try to, if, if I, if I really thought there was a, a tactile aversion, then I would try to, um, you know, offer different sensory input. So I would see if I could, 
get her in the sand or in the grass or, you know, maybe before a bath, I would see if I could, you know, like rub her down with a, you know, a washcloth or something like that, just to see if I can desensitize a little bit. But um, I would say if it's really pervasive and you're really seeing fisted hands, then I would probably reach out um, to a therapist with with training and SI just to see what what's going on, to see if you can systematically desensitize. Right. Right. And I guess yeah. that's, that's a good point. Like if you see it, again, we always talk about like impacting overall function. Anyway, yeah. um, that was that was a side note. Um, <sighs> back to our sensory systems. <laughs> okay, so we talked about the vestibular system, the tactile system. Uh-huh. And um, I know we definitely both want to talk about the vision elements as well. Yes, yes. So the visual system is definitely um, impacted positively by crawling. Um, and it, it's going to be sort of the same thing when, you know, your baby is maybe looking down at his hands and he looks up again to find a preferred toy. Um, he's really starting to develop use, coordinated use of two eyes. And that's what we call binocular vision. And he's also learning how to use two eyes together to start to judge depth perception. So, being able to start to make associations between how far something appears away and, you know, how quickly he can get to the toy or whatever he's going for. So that binocular vision is a really big piece that's impacted by crawling and also that judgment of depth perception. And also just a side note, um, when we're talking about real sensory integration, what's happening is when, you know, baby looks down at his hands, he's also starting to sync up his vestibular system with his visual system. So we talked about changing the position of the head um, and that also that coordinated um, use of both eyes. Now those two systems are syncing up. So that's like real sensory integration in real time. So, um, you know, none of these sensory systems really act in isolation. This is like you know, they all work together to be able to send the brain, you know, accurate messages. So that's really important too with that change in head position. So, and then just to talk about the last two systems a little briefly is the proprioceptive system and the auditory system. So talking about the auditory system, this is when your baby is really starting to localize sound. So as he's crawling through space, if he hears, you know, mom call him from the other side of the room, he's able to start, you know, localizing sound and turning his head to sounds and understanding, you know, as, as he's moving through space, he's understanding sound, you know, within three dimensions. So it's helping with that piece. And then finally the proprioceptive system. So those are the receptors on our muscles and our joints. And, you know, weight bearing through those arms is really helping to fire those proprioceptors as he's weight bearing on his hands and getting that input through his joints and his shoulders and his whole shoulder girdle and his hips and everywhere else. So it's really a multi-sensory throughout (laughs) throughout really. And it's really, so it's really just a multi-sensory experience that's helping to wire the brain basically. (laughs) Right. And and I think that that is um, something we we really do need as the kids get older is that proprioceptive sense of where the body is in space mm-hmm. and those receptors in the joints that are giving the brain that information because those are the kids that we see later on who might fall out of their chair easily or mm-hmm. um, bump into things. All kids are developing their proprioceptive systems as they grow and their bodies are growing taller and they're moving in um, in different planes of motion. But crawling is also giving them that proprioceptive input throughout their body at the Mm -hmm. same time, whereas other types of activities are not, right? So once they're standing, they're getting that proprioceptive input through their feet, but no longer their arms. Or if they're swinging from monkey bars as they get older, they're getting that 
proprioceptive input through their arms, but not their feet. So I think the crawling milestone, and this is why we do crawling with older children through obstacle courses so much, and it really helps build that body awareness, is because there's so much input happening through the body at the same time. Yep. So that's sort of the why behind crawling. So in in a nutshell, um, but... In now, a small I think big it, nutshell. In a small but big nutshell, yes. But I think now like looking at the how. So I know a lot of parents are anxiously waiting for that crawling stage. You know, they're anticipating it. Um, you know, what can you say about the how, Allison? Like when do most babies start to crawl? Um, maybe what are some of the motor movements or milestones baby may reach be- right before crawling? Or how, how, does, a, how does a mom know that – their little one is almost there. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, I feel like it's our favorite milestone as therapists. And as a mom, it was like my worst milestone <laughs> because that's when, for all the good reasons that we just talked about, but now your baby is crawling everywhere. You actually have to sweep your floor more. You have to make sure little toys aren't around. Um, when you go outside, it's like their hands are covered in dirt or, on floors and places, it's kind of gross, but um, but really, it's so beneficial. So again, that was just like my mom piece in there for me to relate <laughs> to all of you out there who struggle with the crawling and think like, oh, maybe my baby will just skip crawling and go straight to walking. I hear you, but as a therapist, I'm going to say no. It's awesome. Um, <laughs> okay, so um, for the how part. I will also say that there's a wide range of when babies begin to crawl, which is really, I would say the the average is like the eight to nine months. Um, Some babies, I don't know who those superstars are, but they crawl at like six months. Mm -hmm. Those are superstar babies. They are gross motor, like crazy, awesome geniuses. Um, And then you have like my babies who were not gross motor geniuses at this stage and crawled at like 11 and a half months. Um, so there's that range there. But again, your baby really shouldn't be crawling at 11 and a half months. And you know you should check that out if that's happening. But let's say the average age is about eight to nine months. Um, so, okay. So that's the, the when. But as we talked actually about um, with Stacy, Stacy Men's in our rolling podcast a few podcasts ago. If you haven't listened to it, you should. Um, When we talked about rolling with her, we talked about the steps to get there. So like me with my children who were crawling at 11 and a half months, certainly my oldest three for sure, that was when they started crawling. Um, I was watching the progression and making sure that they were continuing to advance in their gross motor development. So that's what led me to not be worried because there are certain things that have to continue happening in order to reach that crawling stage. So we'll just break that down a little bit for you at home to understand a little bit more. So actually we were talking about, again, I'll reference rolling because again, all these milestones build on each other. And there's a reason we start with tummy time and rolling, then sitting, then crawling, because all these pieces need to be in place in order to build on each other. It's like, I don't know, computers 101 before you go on to anything more advanced. Mm-hmm. So our bodies know how to how to do the 101 stage first. Um, okay, so basically, we need to start actually looking back first at tummy time, because your baby needs to develop the strength needed for 
crawling through the hands. Mary mentioned that Palmer arch, but developing that strength in their hands, wrists, um, arms, shoulders, and that back and neck, those back and neck muscles to even be able to hold their head up looking forward where they're going. So if those muscles aren't present because your baby didn't get enough tummy time, as a therapist, we would go back to that and do a lot of tummy time play. So again, tummy time is really important for crawling um, to develop that strength in, in all those upper body muscles. We also would then look again why rolling is important in this. It's that ability to rotate and that's how we would get in and out of crawling, that rotational piece. And as the baby's rolling, they're actually developing their core muscles as well. Very much needed for maintaining a quadruped position on all fours. Then we look at sitting, which is also continuing the advancement of the core muscles. And they'll eventually be able to transition from that sitting position into a quadruped position, into that all fours position, which they obviously need to do a four-point crawl. So again, all these stages develop on each other. And when your ba- if your baby is following that good progression and you see your baby sitting now, they're able to move and rotate in that sitting position. They can look behind them. They can reach forward for a toy. Those are all good signs that your baby is continuing to develop and get to where he or she needs for crawling. I know, Allison, you love the um, the side sitting position. Can you just like talk a little bit about why you love side sitting and how it can impact the transition in like from sitting into crawling or into that four point? Yes, for sure. I'm going to give a shout out also to my my other PT Insta friend, Emily of Kinesio Kids, because she she coined the term, I think it's side sit, right sit, because we're big advocates of side sitting. The way side sitting looks is when the feet are in one direction, the knees are pointed to the other way, right? So if you think of like a crisscross applesauce position, if you took one of those feet and they were now parallel, your feet would be pointed one way and you're and your knees would be pointed in another way. And so that's what we call a side sitting position. And that is so important for a baby learning how to rotate into that quadruped position. It's also great for strengthening the core muscles, mm-hmm. um, especially so the you're side saying core muscles. Your the feet are the both feet are pointing in the same direction. Yes, both yes. feet are pointing in the same direction. Mm-hmm. The knees are pointed in the other direction, mm-hmm. and it also allows your baby to. Uh, lean towards one side, put his hands down next to him on the floor, play with toys in that position. It's such a great position to help your baby learn how to rotate in and out of a sitting position, which Mm -hmm. is really important for a baby learning how to crawl. You're not going to just, we've talked about this before, Mary, like a baby should learn how to get into a position. They should know how they get into and out of a position because it'll make it make more sense to their brains. Oh, this is how I got into this position. Oh, that's how I'm supposed to get out of it. So right. when you, if your baby's struggling with that, it's important to take him through the motions of helping him get into a side sitting position, putting his hands down next to him on the opposite side of his feet, and then rotating his hips into that quadruped position. Right. So it's like it's you're showing him the transition so he knows he just doesn't magically appear in that four-point position. Like he, exactly. this, So he understands the motor plan of how to get there and how to exactly. get out. Exactly. And that's, and that's something that we would practice in a therapy position, just getting in and out of quadruped, mm-hmm. right? Like sitting in a side sit position, getting into the quadruped, sit back down in side sitting, get in, 
back into quadruped because the more often babies do the same thing over and over again, and I'm sure you've noticed your babies do the same thing over and over again. And that's mm-hmm. because their brain is learning that motor pattern. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is how I do it. That's how I do it. That's how I do it. And so if they're if they are struggling with that part of it, it's good to help them. And then the next part is really being able to stabilize themselves in that quadruped four point position. They need to be able to stabilize themselves to be able to hold it. And then eventually they'll learn how to move themselves forward. Right. So sometimes, you know, although you work on the side sitting, you work on the transitional skills. Sometimes though, you're also working with a baby on, like you said, maintaining that four point position, um, being able to hold, you know, against gravity, then maybe also doing some toy play in that four point position. Yes. yes, And I'm also actually going to backtrack a little bit also, because there are um, certainly when a baby is first figuring it out. And again, they're doing those same movement patterns over and over. They might be on their tummies and get up on their arms and then their legs kind of come up behind them. Like they're mm-hmm. kind of doing that like dolphin kick, mm-hmm. so to speak. Um, and they're learning how to move their bodies to propel their bodies forward. So th- when they initially start crawling, it might not look as beautiful as that side sitting straight into a crawl and all of a sudden they take off. They are going to be training their brains to figure it out. And so if you're seeing your baby do that, let them figure it out. Give them as much floor time as they can. And even if it doesn't look as fluid and as beautiful as I'm describing it, that's okay. You want your baby to figure it out because that's what the brain is does best. That's what mm-hmm. the brain is supposed to do. If your baby is typically developing and is on track, let him lie on the floor Put, you know, push his hand straight up, figure out where his knees are supposed to go, his legs are supposed to go, and he might end up in a quadruped position on his own without that side sitting initially. Right. That makes sense. And you're right. As So probably as he's getting his knees up under him too, he's probably strengthening his hips as well, right? Correct. So he's also getting those hips ready to take on that that weight for that weight bearing in four point. His, his hips and his core. Yeah, There's a for lot sure. Of work that's being done there. If you think about you, yourself holding a plank position, that's a lot of work for your core, and that's similar thing for a baby. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so again, in the beginning, it might not look fluid and perfect and that seamless transition, but your baby will learn those movement patterns and eventually refine it enough so that the transition in and out of crawling will look a lot more fluid and purposeful. Right, right. It just takes practice. Exactly. And the more floor time we give our babies, the better opportunity that they will have for their brain to work on these skills. Right. Okay. Um, Something that I know that I have talked with parents about, I know you have too, Allison, is sort of like this army crawl. So I would would have moms say, moms and dads say that, you know, he didn't really crawl in that typical four-point reciprocal crawl, but he was a really fast army crawl. And when when we say army crawl, we're referring to the babies that will just sort of use their forearms to sort of pull themselves forward in a reciprocal way, sometimes pretty quickly, but they're not um, up on their knees. So they're not getting that typical four-point through their hands, open palms and knees. It's more of this forearm drag sometimes. And some so, of them are like 
turbo army crawlers. Yeah, like, like super fast. They're super <laughs> fast. And so, um, okay, so the, what I would say is if your baby is already fast army crawling, it's going to be hard to break that habit. Mm-hmm. But I would always ask questions and I would wonder why the baby is army crawling and not doing a four-point crawl because a four-point crawl is more energy efficient. It just is. It's like when when parents are nervous, like my baby's not going to walk. They're just so much faster when they crawl. That's true. But walking is actually more energy efficient. So eventually they will do that. Yeah. Um, So a four-point crawl is more energy efficient. So if a baby is not doing that, we would probably question why. So it could be a strength issue. Maybe their arm, their shoulders are really strong now, but they never pushed up through their arm, their forearms into that ex- extended push-up from right. tummy time. And so they just didn't learn how to do it that way. I would definitely want to look at core strength and hip strength to see mm-hmm. if there's any reason they're knocking those muscle groups out basically. Yeah. They're and they're not getting out. the hips yeah. under them. They're mm-hmm. not getting their hips under them. So, you know, they're knocking out their core muscles because they're just being dragged on the floor as are the hips. So why are they not using those muscles to help them move forward? Just mm-hmm. it, it, it doesn't make sense unless there's a reason. Yeah. Um, and then I would say also there might be that sensory component where if a baby doesn't want to put palms flat down, is that the reason? You know, Mm -hmm. there's kind of that differential diagnosis that we would have to go through of why is the baby not crawling on four point? Mm -hmm. And I would say if, if you're noticing that in the beginning, right, your baby is not yet the turbo army crawler and is just starting out, I would play a lot in that quadruped position as much as possible, even if you need to support his hips at a 90 degree. So the hips and knees are both at 90 degree angles. But if you were supporting the hips and put a toy in front of him so he can play, um, have a sibling or a mirror there, something like that. So there's something entertaining so that he's building up that hip and core strength. That's what I would do if you notice that in the beginning. Once they're really past that, you could definitely still work on that. Um, It's really good to include obstacle courses around the house. So putting pillows down on the floor that your baby has to crawl over, crawling upstairs. Those are things that will target the same muscle groups that they aren't utilizing in the army crawl. Um, So that's a great way to get the same practice. But sometimes if they are really, really efficient army crawlers, it's going to be a little bit more challenging to pull them out of it, like any of our bad habits that are hard to break. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But as your baby gets older, there's always, you know, a four-point position is always great for doing different activities. If you can play in those positions, then power to you and power to your baby. (laughs) Yes, for sure. So that's, yeah, definitely... I I love how you said that. It's almost like if you sort of see that army crawl initially, just, you know, I guess be watchful to see if some of the skills that you had mentioned, you know, starting to bring the hips under, um, you know, see weight bearing on those open palms, see if the other skills are starting to emerge. And, you know, just to make sure that he's sort of moving through this progression and not just stopping in an army crawl and becoming really efficient at army crawling. Yeah. 
And again, so, I've seen some of those army crawlers, and they are fast. I mean, they're really fast. They are. They are meant to be, you know, in battle. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, but um, but we we don't really want that because then again, we wonder why is the core not engaging? Why are the hips not engaging? If your baby's an army crawler, it doesn't necessarily mean that there's going to be something wrong down the line. No. It just. The optimal way for a baby to crawl and to make sure that they are, are engaging, again, the muscles, that sensory exposure that we want, is, is that four-point quadruped crawl. But there are yeah. ways to target and challenge those muscles if your baby is not doing that. And yeah. maybe maybe he or she will just have to catch up later on if that's right. what's happening. Right. But again, with our therapist brains on, we're going to always talk about the optimal way for babies to do things and we're going to challenge to say, well, if that's the best way to do it, we want to help your baby do it in the best way possible. But it doesn't necessarily mean that there's going to be harmful effects, negative side effects, if your baby is not doing it the quote unquote correct way. Mm -hmm. And I think too, if you have a really early walker who sort of skipped that stage of crawling, um, like Allison said, you know, you can definitely go back to crawling through play. You know, there's no reason why um, you can't just you know, put out couch cushions or make an obstacle course and encourage that, you know, over and under, you know, negotiating the obstacles in that four point position. And you can still get a lot of those therapeutic benefits. So you can still crawl during play. And we encourage, we always encourage kids to go back to crawling, especially if they missed that. By the way, crawling is actually a hard thing to do. I remember we went to, um, this place called Billy Bees. I think I was actually pregnant with Nikki at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. and um, I don't know if this is around the country, but we have one here. And it's all these like big slides and you know those like plastic tunnels you have to crawl through to get to all the slides. Yeah. And I, and my kids, my other kids were still young and I was had to go with them and crawl through. But I was like exhausted by the yeah. end of the day. Not easy. <laughs> no, it's really not. And even if you get on the floor and you're playing with your kids, you know, daddy be a horsey, you know, your kid's climbing on, on your back and you're crawling around. It It is tiring work and your arms are getting a workout and the legs are getting a workout. The core is, I mean, it doesn't take the place of doing like push-ups, but mm-hmm. this is <laughs> But for kids, it really is. And yeah. I think we we have to look at this as such an opportunity for our kids to develop that strength that I know, Mary, we both as school therapists would say is so vital for those those years later on when they're in school and they need that reciprocal motion to be able to run up and down their stairs with their friends and they can keep up with their classmates, that they can write and keep up and not fatigue when they're taking notes. Um, These are all things that actually, not saying all is lost if they didn't crawl or crawl for a certain period of time, but the foundation is certainly being laid in this milestone. For sure. Yeah. So yeah, that was kind of the why and the how of crawling and, you know, why we as therapists really encourage it. So if you guys have any more questions, we can definitely continue this conversation on our community site, which is at tatsontarget.com. And we would love for you guys to go ahead and subscribe to the podcast and leave a review um, because that's really the best way for other parents to sort of find us. So not sort of. Not yeah. Sort of. That is the best way for them to find us. Yes. We want everyone (laughs) to find us. Please tell your friends, teachers, everybody else who you think would benefit from listening to our podcast. We would love it and appreciate it. And that's awesome. Yeah. So this has been great.
A lot of good information now. All right. Thank you guys for joining us. Thank you so much for joining us today. Please note that this is general information, and since we do not know your child, it is best to contact your pediatrician or local pediatric professional if you have specific concerns. We invite you to continue the conversation on this topic in our online community at totsontarget.com. Additionally, you can find any toys, books, or products we mentioned in our Amazon storefront located in our show notes or on our website. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook for daily tips on how to keep your tot on target.